following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Solo, a Star Wars story. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Rebels, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett. Batteries Not Included, Leon, The Professional, Taken, The Transporter, The Matrix, and Blade Runner. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or a limited Disney Plus Star Wars series and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots, dinosaurs, or a secret underwater Inquisitor base. I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always, whenever I am reviewing Obi-Wan, is my co-host, Jason Carubia. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Louis G, I'm so happy to be here. I am prepped for this episode. Uh, I've got my Star Wars underwear on, and they are Darth Vader, so Vader is in my pants, and I'm (laughs) ready to go. Uh, Was that actual preparation, or are Star Wars underwear the only kind of underwear you own? It's it's a whole entire closet full of Star Wars uh, uh, clothing. You know, I have I, I I probably like one of the few that own both a matching pair of of Star Wars socks and underwear. No judgments, no judgments. I'm actually kind of jealous of your wardrobe. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so why don't you tell the listeners uh, what we're going to be talking about today? Since you've uh, hinted that it's Star Wars something, something Star Wars. I heard things. Uh, this is going to be episode three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, that's right. We are reviewing Obi-3 Kenobi today. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, once again, directed by Deborah Chow, written by Joby Harold. Uh, some new stars in this episode. Uh, we got Zach Braff, um, Indira Varma, for you Game of Thrones fans. Uh, also, Hayden Christensen gets a pretty big role in this one, and... We haven't mentioned him so far. He's been in all three episodes, but Sung Kang. Yeah. Um, Jason, are you familiar with Sung Kang? I'm, I'm not too familiar with him, um, but he's phenomenal. He, he's great. He is. He's the fifth brother in this. He's also in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Oh, is he? As a character named Han. And uh, this is a little, like, joke throughout the Fast and Furious franchise. His, na- his character's name is literally Han... And then his last name is Seoul, like the capital of Korea, dash O-H. Han Seoul O. Oh, my gosh. So it's incredibly appropriate that he was cast in the Star Wars show. He's also fantastic. You and I have both talked about how great the fifth brother is uh, as a character and a menace and a villain. Um, so And it gets some pretty cool moments in this episode we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, this episode opens with uh, our good friend Obi-Wan Kenobi meditating on this automated ship uh, on a trade route, and he's trying to call out to uh, Master Qui-Gon, are you there, Master? And um, that's intercut with this really cool back-to-tank sequence of Lord Vader getting all of his uh, robotic limbs attached and and everything. And, and I think that's the most—we've seen versions of that before— We've seen glimpses of Vader getting ready for his day, putting his suit on, his helmet slowly, you know, rotating and and attaching to his head and stuff like that. But I think this is the most in-depth or detailed sequence like this we've seen. Is that right? 
yeah, we get to see underneath the armor. And previously it was him in his uh, meditation chamber in, in Empire Strikes Back, for example, uh, or uh, when they, they first put on uh, his armor um, in end of episode three. Uh, but th- we get to really get a close-up of how much machine is there versus how much of Anakin is there. And for what I see, it's a lot of Anakin is there, but it's it's like the machine is obtrusive. Um, it, 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 we get to see those shots of these uh, like tentacle-type pipes or tubes coming off of him, mm. um, which some people say that's helping him breathe, um, giving mm-hmm. oxygen into his chest, um, very similar to the way like looks like Neo coming out of the Matrix, you know, uh, being plugged into the Matrix there. And then you see parts of his armor and is that, that control box, that lit-up control box that's usually on his chest being inserted with a kind of a big spike needle deep into mm-hmm. his body, into his skin. So he, he's very much, you know, un, um, definitely must not be comfortable in any particular way. And that's totally on Brandon on par with, with what we know about Inquisitors and what we're assuming about them, uh, how they have this, this ongoing agony and pain that they mm. use uh, to, to hone their, their, their malice uh, and, and the, the, uh, the dark side. Um, I like how uh, Darth Vader has that same sound when his his helmet comes on top of him from the end mm. of episode three that the kind of squeaky kind of uh suddenly hermetic sealed sound that mm-hmm. sound and uh that that was a great moment because it's definitely a throwback to episode three there and it also has that like when once the suit is complete it has that like rising tone like a like you know system online yeah. uh, <laughs> which is so cool and like just really it displays the fact that he's like half half human half machine is he's a full cyborg um right. and like you said it's all it, it's showing the the amount of agony and physical pain that he's constantly in which he uses to remind himself of his rage and his and his hatred and tap into the dark side we also see this really cool shot of his castle on Mustafar yeah um which is you know where he deliberately wanted his lair to be so that he would have that that close connection to the most painful moments in his life when he lost Padme and also uh, his brother, his, his mentor, um, Obi-Wan. And, you know, it's just a daily reminder for him. Mustafar, you mean uh, the Eye of Sauron? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It's it, really it, cool. Yeah, it's iconic. It, it definitely looks like something out of Lord of the Rings, uh, like it's a Mount Doom type scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, 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 I've heard people compare it to you know, a pitchfork, a Sith pitchfork, which kind of tunes the Sith, mm-hmm. uh, the dark side. Um, but I think here we get this with this juxtaposition of, of Vader and Obi-Wan. Um, we get this comparison of power and strength. And Obi-Wan is praying to essentially uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. He says, mm-hmm. he says, Master, give me strength, which is very similar to how someone would pray of a religious faith you know, to their deity. Uh, and uh, he's asking for the force of uh, strength from those that, that are his friends um, to give him strength. While Vader, in the juxtaposed scene, we actually see him getting strength from machines, mm-hmm. from these robotics, these pieces of order, which is very much what the Sith are founded upon. You know, this cold, cold, harsh order. Mm. And uh, ironically, uh, right at the moment that we're seeing him, Obi-Wan is doing this meditation and he's, you know, very low, low tech or whatever. But he is inside of 
an automated machine that is on this transport route, this trade route, uh, that's that's you know keeping him and Leia safe. Um, Leia asks, uh, like a little kid, "Are we there yet? Uh, can't you make this thing go faster? Can't you use the force on it?" <laughs> um, which and I I love that this is a line that comes up a lot in Star Wars, yeah. especially when people are like asking or assuming that they you know ways that the force works. He's like, "That's right. not how it works." Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can't just get out and push. No, uh, mm-hmm. it's like. It, it, but at the end of that that little bit in the beginning, the the last line that obi-wan says is he's coming master Mm, yeah yeah. now the question that i have is is who number one is that vader and coming where to do what and and what significance is that so who else uh, could he mean if not vader right that that that's my my question so if it is is vader he's referring to is he talking about the final bringing of balance to the force you know like this is this is the beginning of the end uh of this this uh saga and we don't we don't really know unless he's not talking to obi-wan um maybe he's talking to someone else uh, or maybe he's referring about something else something else but um they're going somewhere and there's going to be some type of, I don't know, conflict that's going to be resolved. That's what he's implying. Okay. Um, we also see that uh, Obi-Wan, who I love that this is also kind of a running thing throughout Star Wars. He's not really, he doesn't love droids. Uh, he's kind to droids. And he treats them with dignity and respect. Um, we see that he's repaired Lola for, for Leia. Yeah. Um, but at no point does Obi-Wan ever really, like, love droids the way that Anakin did. If you've watched, like, the Clone Wars cartoon, that's always been a, a, a running theme, uh, a little bit of, like, a back and forth between the two of them, where Obi-Wan sees them as a tool, you know, as a, as a utility, and Anakin sees them as having a personality and, and you know, being being sentient, the sentient beings that they've proven themselves to be, uh, mainly because, you know, mainly because he built... Uh, uh, droids, specifically C-3PO when he was a child um, and now in his adult life literally is like half droid so um, it's just interesting that we do see that, you know, Obi-Wan is kind, he's not going to mistreat a droid, uh, but even later there's like a really um, really nice sequence with Leia uh, where she she gives this droid, this loader droid Ned B agency um, someone tells her that, you know, it can't talk they're, they're not given commu- uh, the means of communication. And she says, you know, well, what if it has something to say? Um, and, and I just lo- I love that Leia, like her father, uh, has this affinity for droids and, and sees them as people. Yeah, this is this is I don't think this is completely intentional of of George Lucas when he uh, conceived Star Wars and droids. But this episode kind of highlights this theme that droids are, uh, have some type of agency or intelligence, you know, um, they, they must be restrained with restraining bolts as we see in the new hope. Um, they're not allowed into certain buildings, uh, with there, there's certain things that a droid can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, th- this episode really has a lot of good comparisons of that in how people treat droids, particularly from, from Leia and, and, and with Ned and, um, how Ned's not given really 
pure agency. And the question, of course, comes with that agency is, do droids have ethics? And do they have the ability to reason and think and feel and care? And um, later on in the episode, yeah, we, we do learn more about that. Some do, and my running theory as like a lifelong Star Wars fan is that it has to do with how long they've been around. Because I think like some of them are are programmed to be very deliberately rudimentary mm. and not be able to think in in higher functions at all. Um, but something like C three PO that's you know programmed with literally millions of languages and is meant to be able to interpret and translate. Uh, of course, he's gonna his processing power is advanced enough that he's going to develop a personality. He's going to have inner thoughts. He's going to have uh, reactions to things and self-preservation and whatnot. And then, you know, R2-D2 is another great example because R2 is, has, like, an attitude and, and is a really good spy and is capable of lying and, and deception. Um, so I think, it, I think it partially has to do with the purpose they were built for, but also how long they've been around and how long how much downtime they've had in between just serving utility versus like being able to sit and think and process things. Right. And this is the great mystery of star Wars, you know, cause the Sith are all about being cold, the order, uh, you know, uh, being part machine, you know, these things that droids often don't have. So it's, mm. it's very, it, it's very ironic to have droids be so lifelike when in reality they can be, so removed from it, um, mm. it, it, especially with some of the the earlier I wouldn't say earlier, but but the episodes one and two uh, with battle droids, for example, mm. um, they're they're killing machines and they're comical killing machines with the droid army at times too. Roger, but, Roger, yeah, Roger, Roger. Um, but it's it's you know they they're designed as weapons of war without individual agency, which is another really great explanation for why Obi Wan would would probably have some residual apprehension about droids and not, you know, love them the way that other characters do uh, because he fought against them for so long and they killed so many of his, of his people. That's um, very understandable. Uh, moving, I was going to say, this is not the uh, droids. Pos- it literally is. This is robots versus dinosaurs. It literally is. Can we go into uh, droids just a little bit more, Lou? <laughs> uh, if you have anything more to say about them, absolutely. Actually, yeah. actually I do. So this is, this is one of my big three. I want to get into it right now. This mm, is okay. one of Jason's big three. Okay. So we talked about Uncle Owen and R2-D2 and C-3PO in, in The New Hope. We all know about them, right? Mm-hmm. And we've talked about Uncle Owen in the last, the last episode, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I rewatched episodes one, two, and three recently. Okay. Did we talk about this? Episode two, uh, Uncle I, Owen, uh, literally, uh, Mary, Uncle Owen, his, his adopted mother literally is Anakin's mother. Yeah. Right? C3PO then becomes property of the Owens. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. All right. He's been with him for 10 years at that point uh up until when anakin arrives uh with obi-wan on tatooine and uh and find out his mother or no not anakin uh uh padme and anakin uh and finds out his mother's dead and then he goes and and kills everyone who's been with who's been with owen for 10 years uh c3po no 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 c3po uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 only became their property when they bought them from the Jawas at the beginning of A New Hope. No. That's not yes. true. If you go back and watch Episode 3 and Episode 2, 
see three PO there is there, and you see him with his new skin on. But then, how did he end up with? How did he end up with uh, Leia? Okay, on so, so the this is what, four. exactly. So this is what happens after that point. C three PO decides to leave with R two D two and Padme and Anakin. You know, after after the events of of Anakin killing uh, all the Sand people. Okay, okay, so C-3PO leaves. Uh, then the events of episode three happen. And at the end of the episode three, uh, C-3PO's memory is wiped, but not R2-D2's memory is wiped. Right. Okay, and now and they part- go with Bail Organa. Exactly. They go with Bail Organa. And we actually see them in the previous episodes. There was actually in the background. You see R2-D2. Oh, so, so you're saying the Larses had them for 10 years before they had Luke. Yes. Uh, okay. So okay. the question that I have is in A New Hope... Why do the Larses not recognize C-3PO and R2-D2? Because nobody does. Vader doesn't recognize him on Bespin. I mean, he doesn't not recognize him. And there's actually literally a comic book where he has like a flashback when he sees him and it fills in that gap. Um, but yeah, I think it's for the same reason that, that we, don't see, uh, we don't see a character moment of recognition in Empire Strikes Back. He says, he says, he says, I need a droid that speaks bocce. Do you speak bocce? And of course he speaks, he speaks bocce because he's, he's lived there with them. Yeah. Of course, his memory's wiped. You look at the watch of the scene again, C-3PO's memory's completely wiped. He says, yeah. I need a, he says, I need uh, a droid that can handle the moisture evaporators, right? And he says, well, my primary function were load lift- lifters. Well, that's not true. He's never had a primary function of a load lifter. Somehow <laughs> that's been installed into his brain when they memory wiped him. Uh, and Because that's not a- anything remotely true or not. And the only mm. one that really can see through the veil of what's ap- actually happening is R2-D2 in that scene because he knows everything. I have a theory on that specifically, though, when he says that, like, because we find out this droid that this hero droid from later in this episode, Ned B, is a loader. Um, I have a feeling that that C-3PO, he's not really good at deception, uh, like the way R2-D2 is. But I feel like if he is um, property of Leia and she knows, like, there's a chance he might get caught, that's like the default go-to cover story. Um, like if you get captured, you're just your primary function is a load lifter. That's your thing. You're a very you're, basic you're unit. You wouldn't know anything important. Uh, it's I. So you know, I was in the Navy. Um, that's something that they they actually literally trained us on. If we're ever taken as a POW, mm. you're supposed to tell the um, your captors. Uh, I'm a cook. I, I literally don't know you know any important information. I'm just a cook. Like wow. Yeah. So I feel like it's the, that kind of protocol. It's that kind of fail-safe almost. Yeah. I could be wrong. That's just a pet theory. But, yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, yeah, you would think that Owen would recognize these droids that, that he's – that's droid that he's literally just buying back 10 years later. Exactly. And they draw, this is on, on uh, very much what the Jawas do. They sell and resell the same property over and over again. So but then again, if I – like I had a uh, – um, a Mazda protege when I was when I was in high school, right? If 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 ten years later, fifteen years later, that same exact car that I drove in high school, somebody had repainted it and maybe like done the upholstery, and then they were selling it back to me, I might be like, oh yeah, I used to have a, a Mazda protege. It was a different color. I don't know if I would recognize this is my exact car. You well, know, protocol 
Droid, protocol droids, they're, are they called different things? Is C-3PO a unique name or are there other C-3PO's? I, I think it's a unique name. Yeah, that's you the thing. His name has always name. been C-3PO. And he's always yeah. had that voice and he's always had that personality, which it's, is the most distinct <laughs> part of it. So, How could you forget C-3PO, Owen? Well, listen, I, there's a lot that I love in this show so far. There's a lot that I love in this episode. but And, and, and you know what? There's a lot that I love in Star Wars and I have given uh, Star Wars a lot of passes for things throughout my life. <laughs> so we are going to definitely talk about a few things that happen in this episode. I think most of them are in my passes. Lose Big Three questions. Yeah. Okay. Where, I, you know, right up front, I'll say I give this episode like an 8 out of 10. Um, mm. But the the two points it could have got, it could have been, I could have given this a 10 out of 10 mm. if it weren't for like, really really glaring issues that i have with the, with the logistics mm. uh, but we'll we'll get into that um there is uh a another quick scene um where before we get to mapuzo the mining settlement settlement where third sister reports to vader about what happened to the grand inquisitor and he's like don't worry about that uh, who cares about the grand inquisitor um and promises that if she does this mission successfully he's going to make her the grand inquisitor Mm-hmm. Um, later she visits this very, very cool, uh, underwater Inquisitor base. And I don't know if you notice this detail, but like as she's walking in, there are Padawan helmets, like training helmets and yeah. lightsabers on oh a shelf, yeah. which is really grim. Um, it, that trophy type thing that, that Kylo Ren was doing. Or Grievous, uh, or General or Grievous. Grievous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just collecting these, these mem- like, uh, items these mementos almost mm-hmm. and she's uh getting dressed down by the fifth brother and fourth sister um the fifth brother uses a really cool like force trick on her uh and when she, and did you know did you clock this they did a close-up camera shot after he does like the force thing to make her like face down almost like she's bowing to him when he releases her she stands up and kind of like touches her belt uh kind of in the same place that she stabbed the Grand Inquisitor. Mm, um, no, I didn't, didn't catch that. Yeah, it's she gets a couple of really interesting aside moments in this episode that are making me question her motives um, and making me question what is her big plan and it, what, what is she keeping uh, close to the vest. Uh, but this is something where I was like, did it? Was this just like a reminder to her of what she just did to her boss, or is it maybe like we talked about previously, the Inquisitors? Um, always get injured or maimed by Vader in their training. Is that where, like, is that an injury that she has and, like, that reminded her of the pain or something? Um, I don't know. If you go back and watch it, you'll notice they do a camera, like, a a quick shot of her touching this, like, part of her belt right um, right after he releases her. Yeah, you might be right about that. The the kind of... um uh, self-flagellation that that some some type of religious orders do uh you know the, the pain if we're going to go into uh, moon knight remember he put shards of glass in his shoes uh you know, oh yeah walk. ethan hawk did ethan yeah. hawk's character yeah in and uh but th- it's a very common thing with some very 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 extreme religious orders mm. uh and i yeah this 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 death cult of the sith might be uh doing it as well And uh, Fifth Brother, they, you know, they do the typical villain thing where they can't be on the same page and they can't be unified and they're arguing over who gets the credit. And um, Fifth Brother insists, like, he's the one who's next in line to become the Grand Inquisitor, not her. Um, But she still gets them to do what she, to to go along with her plan, 
just by telling them, like, I spoke to Vader directly, um, and they don't ask for proof. They don't, like, need proof of that. It's just like, yeah, you wouldn't make a claim like that unless it was true. So, all right, fine. We're, and we're, and we're not going to follow up on it uh, by asking Vader, because he doesn't seem like the kind of boss where you want to second-guess anything. <laughs> yeah. Or slow things down with, like, bureaucracy too much. Right. Once he's right. given an order. Right, and we're we're jumping a little bit ahead to the second uh, instance of seeing uh, the Inquisitors, but the first one where we get to actually see the conversation with Vader is really really cool. Mm. Earlier, where um, where Fifth Sister actually gets to talk to Vader, yeah. and the most brilliant thing that they've done listening to the voice, which is James Earl Jones's voice, and what we can assume is. Um, uh, Anakin's voice as well. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Hayden Christensen's voice mm-hmm. as well. Um, inserted over on top of it, and they've done this a few times in Rebels, I think it was with Van- with Vader. Yes, uh, and yeah. uh, they're doing it here. So y- they're they're both the same actors are performing the role, and it's a good tribute to uh, to um, what has been Vader. Uh, it, it also sets the right age because it's like, you know, you like at this point, he still has a little bit of youth to his voice. But, you know, in 10 more years, all of that will be gone and it'll just be James Earl Jones. Right. Right. And uh, there's there's some really interesting lines that that Vader has. Um, he says things. He says, I've been watching you, third sister. I know what it is you seek. Prove yourself and the position of Grand Inquisitor is yours. Fail me and you will not live to regret it. So mm. it's it's like this he he is definitely pulling strings and like the Emperor, uh, you know, in episodes four, five, and six, you know, he's he's kind of manipulating others to to his will and episodes one, two, and three as well. The Emperor, uh, Emperor not the Emperor at the time, but but yeah, Sidious does. Uh, and uh, this is this is just wonderful Vader discussion, and it's so mm-hmm. it's so amazing. I just want to say this: um, it's so great to have on screen Vader. Like it, it just really yeah. is. And seeing him have this scene after. Uh, over what thirty years? Uh, since the last movie, almost forty years, mm, almost forty years, six years. Because Rogue One, I'm not gonna let anybody forget about how awesome Vader was in Rogue One. Okay, I fine. would not be doing my job if if I did. Okay, fine, fine. Okay, Rogue One Vader, Vader can count. Fine. Okay. Um, but but like to seeing a a character fully flushed out on screen you know, uh, performing this role is, is amazing. And, and, mm-hmm. and we just want more and more and more. We do get that later on in the episode. And so we have to really yeah. thank the producers and, and, and Deborah Chow for, for putting this together for us. Absolutely. Um, the presentation of Vader in this episode was, was 10 out of 10. And it is spot on. Like the words that he's saying. Yeah. The writing. I mean, the, yep. The cadence, the, the, the way he's talking, the way he's mm-hmm. ordering people around. This is Vader. And like, good job here. Great job. I couldn't, I couldn't have done it better. And, and I don't think anyone is questioning whether this is an authentic Star Wars character right now. Mm-hmm. People were like, well, they're going to do a phoned in Vader. It's not going to be good. No, 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 no. This is Vader. This is definitely Darth Vader. Yeah, that's something they nailed. Um, so Obi-Wan and Leia get to Mapuzo, which he's telling her that this used to be more, much more populated before the Empire came and started basically strip mining it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I looked, I looked into this a little bit because what they're, uh, what they're mining on this, on this settlement is Ventrium. Yeah. 
which uh, in the Star Wars universe is used uh, to make turbo lasers. uh, It's used in the process of firing turbo lasers, which is why later when Vader um, encounters Obi-Wan and wants to burn him, he, like, knocks over a a, a container of Ventrium, and it's easily flammable. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was a really cool touch and a really cool detail. Yeah, they're drawing on a lot of details. Um, I'm assuming from the expanded universe that used to be canon, but now have not canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they call them legends in the Star Wars legends and stuff. So, so there's there's a lot there that they can draw from the old novels and old comic books and um, old video video games even. Because this episode... Ventrium specifically from a tabletop role playing game. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. From the <laughs> 90s tabletop role playing game. That's great. Um, and and so yeah, they this this planet has it, in no way does it look like New Mexico at all. Absolutely no way. Nah, I'm saying not. Nah, I don't know why you. I don't know why you would ever. No, no, those aren't cactus. There, no, Mexico. no. <laughs> um, but we get a good glimpse of uh, Obi Wan having either a vision or some type of psychic event where yeah. he sees Vader in uh, not Vader but Anakin in brown robes far off into the distance on a hill and kind mm-hmm. of um, watching them. And we're not sure if, if this is real or not. Um, th- we're not sure if this is all in Obi-Wan's head or if this is something similar to what Kylo Ren was doing in episode uh, uh, seven. And or, when- or what Luke was doing in episode eight. Or what Luke was doing in episode eight. That's right. You know, this kind of... Um, uh, by location, if you will, uh, of, of being in someone's mind and in their location. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we have this event and then of course, uh, Anakin disappears and it must've been my, his imagination. And Obi-Wan goes back to, uh, helping Leia, um, find the location of, uh, where the Jedis are supposedly having this underground railroad train where they're, where they're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, yeah, they're supposed to meet this contact that, um, uh, what's his name? Haja uh, had set up for them, but they don't, they're, they're not there or they're late. And this truck pulls up and this is one of my biggest problems. <laughs> uh, Leia just flags down this truck and she's like, he looks, he looks friendly. What gives you that impression that he looks, you were just kidnapped days ago <laughs> by strangers. Um, you know, I have actually a, a theory on this. Okay. okay. And, this has to do with Leia and the more I see it, Leia and the force. Um, this is pretty out there. Okay. So give me the, forgive me. All right. Um, we already, we've already established that Leia is a great judge of people. Yeah. She's very observant, not only in people, but the way social structures are, uh, the way she interacts with them. And it's, it's, it's possible that she could also be clairvoyant. Um, because of the force you know we know that force sensitive individuals whether it's vader or anakin or whether it's uh, obi-wan or luke they have some type of method of clairvoyance where they can understand people's motives they can kind of read into their minds we've seen this before many times yeah so i think as soon as that truck approaches uh leia sizes up um zach braff's character freck 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 and can see right through him. Um, on top of that, I think she has the ability to perform some type of Jedi mind trickery. 
she can actually manipulate people around her that are you know uh, are lesser minds if you will you know that that um that can be easily influenced so i think this whole entire situation kind of makes sense with me in, in in leia just using her powers to get what she needs her her powers of persuasion because mm-hmm. um, you see immediately like her tone changes and she's like like thanks freck trying to kind of give that impression that these aren't the droids you're looking for you know everything's okay here we're just normal people traveling and uh and then she she probably saw the painted imperial signal uh, symbol on the back of the of the trailer right and it's and knew immediately that in order to survive that they're going to have to play on the good side of the empire from here on I mean, and, maybe like and that's the, why she has that said. Absolutely. We love the Empire. You know, this is her trying to just like feeding that that beast in Freck and knowing that it's going to get him to disarm himself. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you I'll 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 meet you like 30 percent of the way on, on what you just said, because like this is I have such a huge problem with a lot of this. They they don't wait even five minutes for their contact to show up. Uh, they. They immediately just go and and Obi-Wan lets her run towards this truck uh, and get in with this complete stranger. And then even when they see the flag, the MAGA flag on the back of this truck, they're like, you know, yeah, oh, no, this is like totally this is a situation we can easily get out of. No problem. Um, And then when Freck stops and picks up some stormtroopers, my goodness, like if you're a stormtrooper, and the call is out that you're looking for this Jedi and everything is, you know, going crazy now because they think that he's here on this planet. You would have a photo of him. You'd have a hologram picture of him or something. And if he's sitting right in front of you, you're going to be like, yeah, that looks like the guy we're looking for. Like, I've seen his picture on in the post office or in the hologram thing that they send to all of us. Like, I don't know. That, that, that rubbed me the wrong way. And then when they... I got when a good he, explanation for it. I got a good well, response. For this. Well, I have another thing I need you to explain in just a second, too, which is... Oh, my God, there's so when much. He, when he's like, they know what they're doing, Leia, and the stormtrooper's like, wait, you just said her name was uh, whatever, Lola. Um, I forget, Luma. Luma. Yeah, but her name is Leia? Don't they also know that a little girl who is the, the daughter of the like these two very important Empire senators is also missing and that her name is Leia? Isn't that... Okay, go ahead, Jason. I need you to help me out on this. Yeah, so there's a lot to take in there. A lot of suspension of disbelief. You have to really, uh, you have to really go with it um, for that scene there. And I, I didn't at first as well. I will give you that. But then I, I stopped and realized one thing: stormtroopers are complete idiots. Okay. Sure. Number two. <laughs> number two, they're pretty far in the outer areas of of the empire. Right. So so they might not have gotten all that information. OK, they're always looking for Jedi. So it doesn't we matter. We literally see one of them later on with a hologram of Obi-Wan's face. That's why I have a huge <laughs> problem with it. Um, uh, and in number three, this is a big one. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, Jedis have the ability to do mind tricks. They have the ability to persuade others. And from what I was hoping was going on when I was watching it, it's like, I was thinking to myself, is, is Obi-Wan doing his Jedi mind trick? Like he's done it before on stormtroopers. And maybe if they added that, 
that gesture with his hands. They do the little hand thingy. You know, we're not the we're not the people you're looking for type thing. Then it would just make more sense for you. That's um, the strongest argument. That is, yeah, that, that, is, is a, that is the strongest argument that I don't have a rebuttal for. <laughs> right. That's, that's, this, that was the only conclusion that I can come with because I was like, okay, wait, he's going to move his hand. When he's going to say these aren't the people you're looking for. And it would be a good callback to you know, episode four. And he didn't. And that kind of disappointed me because mm-hmm. it's the perfect opportunity for it, you know, um, tricking these, you know, these guards. And, but, you know what? I'll go back and watch that scene again. Maybe he does it in a subtle way. Uh, that I didn't notice. So I'll go back and rewatch that yeah. and look for something like that. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, the funny line is, uh, um, that, what was I going to say? That the, the jet, the stormtroopers are always looking for Jedi. That's what they said that they're always doing. Mm-hmm. Like that's their sole purpose. It's not really to police the galaxy or the universe. The Empire has been using them to hunt down Jedi, and they say they always find them, which was really interesting. Who's who said that? The stormtroopers. It says we always find, we always do. You know, like well, oh, I thought they just meant like they were looking for this particular Jedi. Well, the right Freck says, the "I hope you find them," and he says, "Yep, we always do." That's what the was the line. Oh, was. okay, okay. So when he when he drop when he drops them off. Yeah, when he was talking to the storm. Did you notice the other little line that they had? One of them was like, I'll check out that T-16. Yeah, yeah the background was like, oh, T-16. Stormtroopers are always talking about They're T-16. obsessed with T-16. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, it's, it, it's, I, I think, you know, stormtroopers are a little bit feeble-minded and, and Jedi's have their, their ways of, of manipulating them. All right, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, they, so they do drop them off and then, uh, and then there's this really beautiful conversation between Leia and Obi-Wan. And she's like, you know, ever since we've met, you've been hiding something. And this really caught me off guard and, like, hit me right in the gut, like, right in the heart when she was like, are you my real father? Yeah. And he's like, I wish I, wish I could say that I was. Um, and then he tells her a little bit about how, you know, Jedi are taken when they're very young and he only has glimpses of his mother's shawl, his father's hand. He thinks he may have had a baby brother. Um, and they, uh, yeah, I, just, I think it's it a really actually, beautiful From what I understand and from what I've, I've heard and read, it, it might actually be an older brother. Okay, okay. He says, he, that, he says, he, he says you think he had a brother. He doesn't say yeah. baby brother, but it actually is supposedly an older brother. Well, he says, I remember a baby. He says, like, I remember a baby, like my mother's shawl, my father's hand, a I think baby. he says, as a baby. Oh, okay. I remember as a baby, my brother, my mother's shawl, my father's hand. Maybe uh, we'll we'll definitely remember, talk about that more when we get to lose big three. What yeah, are you going to say though? And um, th- that this is like the second uh, really beautiful like discussion that uh, Leia and Obi Wan have this episode. Um, this ep- this particular conversation th- is this Leia's clairvoyance coming through because she can tell immediately that he's been lying to her. Like she is mm. very perceptive of everything. The way that he's worked, the way that he said the name, um, you know, uh, called her Leia. The way he changed his demeanor, the way he was talking, he could absolutely tell 
uh, she could absolutely tell that he was lying. Mm -hmm. Is this her partial clairvoyance or is this her, you know, just being that good judge of people? You know, she's a she's a kid, you know, to, to be able to do these things is is short near of whether it's you know genius or miraculous. It's hard to say. It's I think it's absolutely both. I think she is a little precocious, especially because because of her upbringing. And, and you know, she is um, she's gotten a very advanced education from a very smart parents. Uh, but I think also, as we've discussed many times, the force is helping her out on some level. Right. And there's, there's the other beautiful moment that they have um, happens earlier, uh, right when they're still in the automated transport, um, the automated frigate. You know, they have this conversation about the force. And uh, Leia asks Obi-Wan, what does it feel like? Oh, um, yeah. And o- Obi-Wan has this, this, the most poetic description of what the Force is. It's so much more uh, interesting than anything really we have heard other than what came out of episode, uh, episode four, uh, the yeah, original yeah. descriptions of the have Force. Have you ever been afraid of the dark? Yeah. And Obi-Wan says, have you ever been afraid of the dark? And, and Obi-Wan then clarifies, he goes, how does it feel when you turn on the light? And Leia says, I feel safe. And then he says, yes, it feels like that. And this description is just, it it's touching because for someone who doesn't understand like the fear of uncertainty, of, of questioning what's out there, of being like lost or confused or blind, uh, having, describing the force as a light and a dark like that, uh, makes so much sense, you know. It's and beautiful, when, yeah. When the, when the force is there, like it, it, when the light is there, it reveals that what what is truth, you know, it reveals what is actually in front of you or what is uh, dangerous or safe, um, you know, not what you assume. And and often, you know, those are the things that really trouble us. Uh, and and um, having that uh, that force, that light inside. A light side in you you know i can absolutely see obi-wan like being like as a depressed character now not being able to use the force or not being able to to uh, bask in its light you know being very 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 dejected and 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 this is a, a very much more uh sullen side of obi-wan that we've ever heard or seen before well he's profoundly alone on ta- on tatooine uh he's mm. he's cut he severed himself from the force he can't even have a relationship with Owen and Beru and, and Luke. Um, he can only watch them from a distance. Uh, and, and, and like later, that's part of his journey is realizing that he's like, as long as he has the force, he's never alone. Um, Haja tells him in the previous episode, you know, you're not alone, Obi-Wan. It's like the last thing he says to him. Uh, and later in this episode, he finds out that there are other Jedi out there like Quinlan Voss. Um, and there's and there's this whole underground resistance ferrying children to safety. So, yeah, it's a really it is a beautiful description. And I'm like, it's a new way of thinking about the force that I've never heard described before. And I really liked that a lot. That was great writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so they get to this checkpoint and uh, this is where we find out that Freck has been suspicious of them the whole time. Um, and he gets out and he's like, hey, I got, you know, I got a couple of strangers back there. You might want to check them out. Um, this probe droid shows up and scans his face, uh, which, yeah, of course, that gives him away. Uh, a little shootout happens. He knocks Freck out, doesn't kill him. Um, but he does kill the, the troopers, one in particular, 
uh, in the most awesome way. He uh, shoots him and he gets he falls on that laser fence and gets bisected. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, the uh, yeah, the very much a Darth Maul death right there. You know, he gets bisected by these lasers and um, he shoots one of the stormtroopers from the hip. Yeah, the one like that gunslinger while the one he's holding Leia hostage. That's really impressive to me. I read I read some take somewhere on a message board or something where someone was like, "Why is Obi Wan such a bad shot with uh, with a blaster?" And then like another re- somebody else replied to it about like going into this whole thing about how you know he barely used blasters ever. He would use his lightsaber all the time. I don't understand that criticism at all. Like for him to. To, he killed like the what there were like I think three or four star, stormtroopers. Yeah, he just go he takes them out. Like these, one of which, is, like he said, like was Jason holding Bourne type aggression. You know, uh, based Jason Bourne type uh, uh, hand to hand combat. And one of which was holding Leia hostage, and he he would not have taken that shot if he wasn't a thousand percent certain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like I'm really impressed with him in this scene. But then another the same size <laughs> of. Stormtrooper, the same number of stormtroopers roll up in a truck, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh well, this is it. This is the end of the line for us. I guess we're caught." Right before that, though, uh, <laughs> is it lose big three number two. <laughs> right, this, this, this is you know what this is a lose big three question. I'm gonna save it. I think you know what I'm gonna ask. Uh, so just teaser for a lose big three later. Um, but yeah, okay. This truck pulls up. They get through the fence. Instead of going around it, I, it didn't look like it would be that hard for them to go around it. Um, but anyway. This other truck pulls up, and there's an officer uh, on on the on this truck, and she shoots all of the other stormtroopers, which is awesome. And we find out that this is Alaria Sand from Game of Thrones. Oh my uh, god! Yep. Uh, Indira Varma is the actor's name. She's really good. I think she's also in another show called Rome yep. uh, that I've never seen, but it's uh, people love it. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, she's really cool. I think her character's name in this is Tala. Yeah, sure. She tells, they don't really mention her names much. Um, I think they say it one or two times. They, yeah. She tells them that there is a pilot uh, that they're going to meet and is going to get them off world, uh, but they have to go into this camp where like people live. Mm-hmm. And so they get there, and that's where they meet um, one of my new favorite characters in Star Wars, Ned B, the loader, the droid maintenance loader. And uh, we kind of talked about this conversation already. Leia tries to talk to it, and and Alaria uh, uh, Sand Tala says, um, you know, um, he he's not programmed. Uh, he doesn't have speech. He's not. They're not allowed to talk, uh, or they just don't have the ability. And she says, "What if he has something to say?" And then this is like, this is the if you bought like a Tala action figure right. that says one line it would be this actions speak louder than words absolutely and yeah. and this that's the line that you know makes us think well then this 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 droid might have some type of ethical agency they might have some type of you know um uh of consideration or kindness or feeling for others in yep. compassion because the actions of it very much um go against standard protocol or standard uh you know uh cold droid function like the fact that he's holding a hammer behind his back when the stormtroopers come, and it looks like he's gonna use it if he needs to. Totally. Yeah, um, I was I was really worried about Ned B at a couple points in this episode, <laughs> uh, and this was definitely one of them. I thought he was gonna get himself killed taking a couple stormtroopers down, but he doesn't. Um, he helps. Uh, so yeah, he helps 
Tala and Obi-Wan and Leia go into this storage unit where Tala talks about the path uh, and that there's there are things like this all over the all over the systems and they're they're creating this network. This is clearly like the early vestiges of the rebellion and um, that it all leads to Jabim, uh, which is where they smuggle younglings um, and get them to safety on this place called Jabim, which is probably where uh, the next episode or a couple of episodes are going to be. We're going to get there, yeah. Um, in particular, Obi-Wan sees some markings on the wall and uh, surmises that Quinlan Voss was here. And he writes, um, he has written, only when the eyes are closed can you finally see. And Leia asks him, see what? And he says, uh, the way, because apparently uh, Quinlan Voss is a Mandalorian. Well, yeah, that's my question. <laughs> Jason's big question number two. Uh-huh. Um, Quinlan Voss, this is fan service. Yeah, they've been, he's a background character. Then they made him a, a larger character in the animated series. Um, mm-hmm. They actually talked about him at the end, uh, uh, during parts of uh, Attack of the Clones as being one of the Jedi that escaped. Um, mm. And... Um, uh, and so we know Quinlan Voss is a character, but we haven't ever seen him on screen. Are we going to get to see him in this series? We don't know, but they're talking about him. Technically, for some reason, they see him. In, a there's a screenshot in episode one when they're right. on tattooing. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know why sitting, he's there, but he's just, yeah, he's just kind of sitting there. Right. In the background. So, so that that's not my question. But but the, the way that his his statement and the way that the Jedi are right here is very much the concealed order of Mandalorian that Din Djarin is part of. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they're hiding their identities, uh, finding these checkpoint locations um, um, away from the Empire or what was the Empire uh, is very similar to what we see in the Mandalorian series. Now, mm-hmm. are Mandalorians in full armor Jedi in hiding? And on top of that, are there younglings found uh, their foundlings younglings? Um, this kind of sentence kind of seems to point that way, especially when they're talking about the way, mm-hmm. uh, like this is the way being the mantra of the Mandalorians, uh, at least that sect of the Mandalorians. Um, so what are your thoughts? Is this, do you think that uh, Voss is a Mandalorian or do you think that more Jedi after these series of events and after the events of four, five, and six become Mandalorian? Uh, I do not think Voss is a Mandalorian. I think I think it's it'd be cool if like we see that that's where he ends up. Like he becomes uh, a Mandalorian the way that Din Djarin did. But the Mandalorians are their history, as far as I know, is as old as the Jedi. Um, so it's not like one became the other or anything like that. Uh, they're just like a, they have their own kind of cult philosophy, but I feel like they've been around as long as the Jedi and the Sith have. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know if the cultures kind of merged into one. No, I don't. That the the Jedi adopted the Mandalorian mantra because the Beskar would protect them. No, because I mean, we, you know, the history of the dark saber, right? Like that was, that was a Mandalorian that was unique in that he, I think, was the the first, if not the only Mandalorian uh, to become a Jedi. Um, and he created the Darksaber, uh, what was his name? Something Vizsla. Um, and 
So yeah, it's I, I don't think one became the other or anything like that. But I but I but Quinlan Voss is a very very interesting character for a lot of the reasons you said. He has studied both the light side and the dark side. He rolled around with uh, Asajj Ventress for a while on a mission that he was sent on by the Jedi to try to assassinate Count Dooku. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a very like like not by he's he is. <laughs> The way I think of Quinlan Voss is the way I think of most like '80s and '90s action movie heroes when they're like, it's not until they're, they're, the police chief demands their badge and their gun that finally uh, they, they don't have to do things by the book anymore. Now they can really get the job done. <laughs> um, that's Quinlan Voss in the yeah. in the Star Wars world. Uh, so I could see him rolling rolling around with some jet, uh, Mandalorians at some point and adopting some of their philosophy. Um, that that's definitely a strong possibility. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, uh, I I feel like they wouldn't also tease him this big if they weren't going to show a live action version of him in the next three episodes. Now the the question then arises, uh, as I said before, aside from Quinlan uh, Voss, what other Jedi then survived? Uh, Kanan Jarrus. Yep. Um. Yeah, Kanan Jarrus. Well, we know Ahsoka, of course. But again, I don't think Obi-Wan can find out that Ahsoka's still alive. Um, I, here, the um, I, after rewatching episode two, episode three, um, Bail Organa uh, has the best response to Order 66. He says that his job was to intercept a few Jedi before they walked into the catastrophe. Mm. So he, out of anyone, would probably know who, what, who else is out there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see another scene with him um, talking about that. Mm, that would be cool. Um, all right. So then uh, they are, yeah, the the Empire shows up. Obi-Wan gets this, like, gets, like, queasy all of a sudden, and I think he's feeling the presence of Vader. Uh, he knows that he's there, so he tells uh, Tala to take, Leia, make sure she's safe. He makes her promise him uh, that she'll get him, get her to safety. And he kind of looks and sees Vader. Uh, Vader is doing everything he can. He knows that Obi-Wan is here. He, he can also feel his presence. And he's doing what he can to draw him out. Just torturing and killing these villagers. Uh, even, even not just the men, but the women and the children. Um, and it's a very, very Vader thing to do. And it's, it's, it's gut wrenching. This is like a huge villain moment. It is very effective. This particular moment kind of branches the series away from being family centered and children appropriate, uh, seeing this much carnage and death here. Um, and because I mean, Vader is such a cultural icon, uh, seeing a moment like this really uh, reminds us how he is the biggest bad guy uh, that we have culturally. You know, mm. like he is the the most uh, villainous character uh, that we that is that is with us. Uh, he he does it's it's so cold how he does it how he he just brutally um, murders people in the street and um, it, it it's 
it's something I can see that they might have put some type of, you know, warning or description prior to it, because this was made before, you know, events uh, involving gun violence and things like that. Right. Um, but we live with gun violence now all the time. And it's it's very sad that a lot of this is now just normalized. You yeah, know, I, I, I was going to say not to like argue with you, but like it, it is it's not like there's ever a time where it was this was made before gun violence, no, you're unfortunately. Right. You're yeah. Correct. yeah. Uh, it, but it's like, it's, it's, w- I can see how difficult it would be to watch this. Yeah. And just be a victim um, of, yeah. of recent um, mass shootings, for example. It's, it's just disturbing. It, it is very effective storytelling though. I have to say, cause it like, cause he's doing this for no reason other than to get, Obi-Wan to come and try to stop him so he can have a, a one-on-one battle with him. And it and it arguably it does work because yeah. Obi-Wan comes out of hiding, uh, leads him to this quarry, draws him out to this quarry, and they confront one another. And um, this is where he, you know, pulls the well, before that, he they have like a little bit of a battle. Vader is just just easily, easily beating Obi-Wan with one hand. Yeah. Like uh, Obi-Wan's putting everything he's got into it, into this battle, and Vader is just barely even trying and just knocking him down with his superior power and sword fighting skill. Right. The theme of light and dark comes into play here because this quarry is pitch black and Obi-Wan has to rely on the, the glow mm. of his lightsaber to really see what's going on. And he can't see, you know, 20 feet in front of him because it's so dark out. We do mm-hmm. see glimpses of, of Vader's electro, uh, electronics on his stomach eventually. And, and of course that, that, that red glow of the lightsaber appears suddenly uh, mm. and, and uh, they start to battle. Um, and Vader probably has an advantage because he's probably got like night vision or something in his suit. He probably doesn't need light to see, you know? Again, and the, the force, the, 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 the reliance on light and the force is that, is that, uh, that parallel, you know, that, that Obi-Wan is, is relying heavily on what he believes will help him. And that's not unfortunately the case here. And, and, and Obi-Wan, you can just, just see how in this fighting style how great he was before against those stormtroopers he's nothing against vader here vader just very easily overpowers him with with one hand and and vader is holding back which like shows you even like if he really wanted to this fight would be over in seconds but he's actually holding back because he doesn't want to kill him he wants him alive he wants to break him and he wants to torture him We'll question that we yeah and that that's exactly what he does. So uh, in the course of the battle, uh, Obi Wan is uh, the Vader um, strikes on fire some of the uh, the the mind um, what is it called Vin- ventrium mind ventrium and and uh, ignites it drags Obi Wan through it mm. and in the scene paralleling what happened in Episode Three when he becomes you know burnt and disfigured. Uh, Obi-Wan does something similar and uh, we, he of course doesn't burn as much he comes out of it eventually you can see he's definitely hurt really bad but he does not look like Vader uh, of course with episode 3 being thrown into the lava like being burned alive by lava um, it, it's it's disturbing how Vader just wants to torture Obi-Wan yeah. um, to what means to what ends uh, how for what reason does he want Obi-Wan to suffer so much other than thinking maybe he caused the death of Padme mm-hmm. or uh, causing everything all, all the events now uh, if that was the case he should just end it and cause him to die but but 
he does it, does he want to bring him over to the dark side, very similar to the way the Emperor um, and Vader wanted to bring Luke over uh, in Jedi? Um, yes. Because, again, their, their entire uh, philosophy is to garner followers, you know, to, to, to bring you know, more people to dote upon them in their pecking order. Yes, I think he wants to break him physically by burning him and maiming him and then capture him. And I think the next step would be uh, to break him mentally and, and turn him into an Inquisitor uh, mm. or, or a Sith apprentice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and again, this is so for all of the uh, all of the like, this is awesome. And, and I've been praising uh, a lot of the writing and, and presentation of Vader. Um, this is where I start to have a few problems with this episode. <laughs> same, same. Because he, so he levitates him using the force in the first place to get him to drop his saber and like drag him across the, the flames. But then Tala shows up, kills a stormtrooper, shoots a, a thing, an explodey thing to light the Ventrium on fire again. And all of a sudden, like this slow moving Ned B loader can just come and pick up Obi-Wan and slowly walk away from him. Vader could just, A, walk through this fire. Yes, he could. B, levitate himself over it if he wants. Like, yes, he could. The, wa- or just walk around it. He could just go, it's, that, it's not that wide. He could he just could go force, around it. He could force choke them from afar. Yeah. He could he, use the force to break uh, a Ned B. B. He could just, just crush like, him like a soda crush can. Crush him like a soda yep. can, yeah. It, <laughs> it's... It, I, yeah. It, yeah. Why they just let him go? To, but maybe there's a reason why he let him go. Maybe, 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 yes. maybe he wants him it, to lead him to more Jedi. Maybe Deborah Shaw is just trying to help us and serve a little plot, you know. So maybe, otherwise, it would be a very short series. So yeah, we, you know, it definitely. It, there could be more. There could be more. Sure. And this is why Vader is trying <laughs> to do this. You know, he's trying to play this cat and mouse game to with Obi Wan in order to break him. You know, to flush out the rest of the Jedi and break him. That's a, yeah. That's a fair point. That might be the reason he lets him get away. Right. Uh, there's some great dialogue here. You kind of mentioned like earlier. This is very good writing for Vader. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he when he when he first sees him, Obi Wan is like, what what have you become? And he says, I am what you made me. Right. Uh, and when they start fighting, he's like, the views have made you weak. Yep. Yep. And this um, is very much like the uh, episode four discussion that they have when Vader meets Obi-Wan. You know, uh, you know, Vader says, we meet again at last. You know, the circle is now complete. Uh, and, mm. and then but this is kind of making me in the back of my head. It's like eating at me. It's like this. Wait, wait, what? What were they actually talking about in that scene? If this is the maybe is this is there something else that's supposed to happen? What is the circle that they're referring to before? You know, is, is, is it the circle of Jedi master or is it something else that they're talking about? You know, and then the line over in episode four is when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. And Obi-Wan mm-hmm. says only a master of evil, Darth. Only so master of evil, Darth. Right. So that what we thought was their last uh, their last interaction previously, you know, is not. So this is the first of possibly another. Uh, and what the heck are they referring to now in episode four, unless they're going to backpedal and retcon original Star Wars? No, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. I don't think the dialogue necessarily contradicts that they met this time because mm. um, it's like it's like you said, he's like, the you know, we I was the student or whatever, and now I'm the master. Yeah, um, it's, it, it, he says, you know, 
the circle is complete. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. When I left I you. He doesn't, you. Yes, see, right. he doesn't say when we last met. He says when I left you. Right. Um, so, so is there... Meaning when he left, when he left his mentor, his master, Obi-Wan, for a new master, Sidious. Right. Well, that, that would refer to episode three. But right. that's, that's yeah. not what's happening here. You know, so it's, I don't know. He, he, he's not a master either. He's a, he's a Sith Lord. So because the Sith Lord don't call themselves masters. Uh, they, call, yeah. they call themselves lords. Master so, of the Force. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've, gone, I've gone full circle back to being an apologist right. after, after I've gotten all my criticisms out of the way. <laughs> I wonder, this is what I'm hoping, I wonder that Darth Vader has more learning he has to do. Sure. And there's more training he has to go through to learn the ways of the Sith. Uh, and that's what he's doing um, in his, his Mount Doom up there. You know, he's, mm. he's hanging out um meditating in his his chamber you know becoming more machine and divining uh the ways of the dark side um to that end are we going to see palpatine this series maybe i wouldn't mind seeing uh, especially if they got ian mcdermott i would not mind seeing a little bit of palpatine how great would be to see ian mcdermott reprise his role uh you just Oh man, it would be. I mean, having to see him in episode uh, eight was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode nine was great. Uh, um, but but seeing him uh, again here uh, in a very similar live action Palpatine uh, without CG, without all the the dismemberment and death, just practical Palpatine. Mm-hmm. That would be so entertaining, and having that. That dialogue, you know, that that just as good as Vader has been with mm-hmm. Ian McDermott talking as Palpatine would be phenomenal. And I'm not begging for that. <laughs> I hope so, too. He uh, so the last thing he says to him is your pain has just begun. Um, and mm-hmm. I, this makes me actually worried for like we, we might see Quinlan Voss, but we might be right that that he's letting Obi-Wan lead him to other Jedi and I feel like we're going to see Vader hunting down a few Jedi specifically and, and, and killing them. Um, yeah. So I'm a little bit worried if we do see Quinlan Voss, we, we might see the end of him men- at the hands of there, Vader. There has to be some purpose to mentioning all these Jedi, you know, all these other Jedi that are out there. You know, Especially just- since if Obi-Wan does encounter any other Jedi and knows that they're out there, he probably also has to see them die because in episode four, it, it's clear to me that Luke is the last hope. He's the last Jedi, right? That's exa- Obi-Wan is convinced of that. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, in the, Obi-Wan, do, he, does he know? I, can't, I don't know the sequences of Rebels, forgive me. Does mm-hmm. he know that Ashoka is alive? No, no. According to canon, she's in a parallel universe or something. She's, uh, not yet. That, that happens. Five and six. That happens later in Rebels. Um, that's a whole thing. Yeah, let's not get into the the whole Ahsoka <laughs> jump in the timeline thing. But she, there is literally like a certain amount of time in the timeline where she doesn't exist because Ezra Bridger pulled her out of the timeline and then deposited her back into it. And the whereabouts of Ezra Bridger are up in the air as well. It's we'll save that for the Ahsoka show. <laughs> that is madness. That is yeah, madness. we'll get so there. We have to get- 
So they yeah, do. Gonna, they do have a pretty awesome showdown, Ahsoka and and Vader, um, mm-hmm. which is when that happens. But again, when we when we cover Ahsoka in the future, that's we'll talk about that all, all then. The last point I want to make about um, Jedi mm-hmm. and what Jedi uh, could be out there is uh, Yoda's line um, at the end of Episode Three. Uh, he has that line: "Until the time is right, disappear we will." Yeah. And so the question is, is this that time where the Jedi are going to come out and reveal themselves? Um, because obviously they don't do it in episode four, five, and six. Right. And I th- that's what makes, why it makes me worried that any named Jedi we might see, we're gonna also going to see the death of them at the hands of Vader. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think, I think, I think the point of this is Obi-Wan is going to have hope, um, but then Vader's going to take that hope away from him. Um. It might be a scenario where the remaining Jedi end up destroying the remaining Inquisitors, and and this is why we don't see either in Episode Four, Five, and Six. Um, That'd be cool, like an all-out battle of like the end of the last both. Jedi and the last Inquisitors, and all that's left is Obi Wan and Vader, with Luke being the only New Hope to. Uh, to the light to to the light side. Only problem with that is Rebels is five years later, um, and there are definitely multiple Inquisitors in Rebels. So okay, never mind that. <laughs> um, one last speaking of Inquisitors, one last note I have for this episode is Fifth Sister uh, is apparently able to teleport because Leia. <laughs> so Leia is escaping and she's going down this tunnel, and what's her name? Uh, Fifth Sister goes in and find Reva. Fig- somehow figures out where which wall they pushed aside to find their little hideout and then starts chasing her down. And for one thing, I don't know how Tala got out of there uh, without encountering um, Fifth Sister. And I don't know how Fifth Sister got around to the other side of where Leia was going to end up. But uh, whatever. That's, that's the least of my logistical issues with it. Um, but then she says to Leia, yeah. I'll, I'll take you from here. Yeah. Yeah, and I, oh, I've heard and, some mm-hmm. One I'm last sure thing is she gets of that. Yeah. She, uh fifth sister gets really particularly angry when she finds this hideout and sees the the phoenix, like the Jedi phoenix symbol. She like has right. a moment to herself and she just sort of like screams in rage. And I feel right. like that is also significant. This um, is this is us just it, it's solidifying in our mind that she has some type of prior relationship with the jedi that's caused this kind of um bitterness and hatred in in her and uh she really scorns the jedi so it's like it's i think this is a few people's theories online and and i can see what they're saying she she can assume what the path goes where it goes where it leads to and the whole purpose of this area so she can she can divine basically that hey look this is this is going to go to uh, some type of cargo ship um or transport off off this planet okay so let's get to the closest spot as quickly as possible and that could be the only reason why she finds it but she doesn't quite get there in time that's all it's it's okay it's like it's it's also one of those things that we don't see the events um off screen we just have to we just have to go with it you know okay yeah yeah just just go with it the suspension of disbelief you have to you have to just go with it you know um earlier in the episode fifth brother had said something like you know i will i will get what i deserve or you will get what you deserve um and she says you know yes i hope so 
Yeah, uh, that, that's a great line. He says, I will get what I deserve, third sister, meaning he's trying to become the Grand Inquisitor. Right. And she says, and so will you. And then she says, I hope so. I certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it, they're both like really vying for that Grand Inquisitor spot. Uh, and I feel uh, like that has another layer of meaning, though. You're right. Yeah. So what? Why does he deserve that Grand Inquisitor spot? Why, no, why no, no, no. I mean her line. I think when she's like, "I hope so," like she is hoping. I feel like she's hoping to be punished for the things that she has done, or um, punish others for the things she has done. Well, when when done. the Grand Inquisitor said, you know, well, yeah, maybe that's part of it too. But when the Grand Inquisitor said something about like, you know, we're um. Uh, you're using a child to, to as bait or whatever, and 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 Reva is like, we've done we've done worse. Um, right. So yeah, I feel like she has this whole like she. I think she carries a lot of guilt around with her for like the sins that she's committed since she's since she's become an Inquisitor. Um, and I wonder if part of it, I wonder if her whole quest is she is doing all of these things as a means to an end, and it pains her to do them, but. I'm not going to say like underneath it all, she's actually very good, but that she does have some sort of plan to try to bring down the empire or the Sith from within. You have, and a she's great just point. taking a very dark path to do so. No, you are very, you have, she's trying to blow it up from within possibly. Yeah. That, that you have a great point there because star Wars doesn't use the word hope lightly. Mm-hmm. The whole entire you know, movie is called a new hope. So when she says, I hope so, I certainly hope so the Jedi don't hope. You know, they they speak in absolutes. You know, they 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 speak in determined sentences and phrases like I will do this. I will get this. Rebellions are built on hope. Exactly. So uh, so I I completely uh, part of that idea that maybe she's trying to take down the the war machine, um, maybe blow it up from inside or at least just try to create a new order that's not this and i think it's a like by any means necessary mentality and i think she's like willing to um i I think that's what she i i i interpret her saying that as like she will get what she deserves eventually she'll get punished for the things she's had to do um but but ultimately it'll be in her calculus good for the galaxy i don't know that's a that's my running theory on third sister at the moment yeah i mean yeah that that's she's trying to i don't know maybe she's trying for a palpatine type position you know she's trying to control uh everything to bring on a new age but she can see that vader and what the sith are doing now is is really really not the way and she's going to bring a different approach to it. I don't know. It's it's it. We don't know 100% her motives. That's the thing. We don't know her backstory. We don't know her motives. It'll all be revealed hopefully soon. Uh, so, Jason, are you ready to talk about Lose Big Three? Yes. All right, Ryan, give us the theme. Lose Big Three, it's you and me. We're going to have fun with Lose Big Three. Thank you, Ryan. That was awesome, as always. Very consistent singing, and I appreciate that. Um, it's almost like it's a pre-recorded. So lose big three, number one. Um, in this is a general Star Wars question, Jason, that I've o- I've always had for my entire life, and I've never found an answer for it. Um, why does shooting a door control either open the door or shut the door and lock it? 
Uh, and it's entirely and and that effect is entirely based on what the hero needs it to do in that moment. Yeah, um, that it's the force. It's totally the force. It's mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Obi Wan or Leia or Luke or Han Solo shooting the door, uh, trying to take down the you know the the shield generator over on on Endor. No, uh, it's it's completely I, again. Yeah, I, there's no particular reason other than it's what the writers want it to do. Okay, so the doors are, door. If you ever find yourself in the in the Star Wars universe and you need to either get through a door or lock it behind you, and you don't have the key or the code, <laughs> just go. As long as you have a blaster, you're good to go. Yeah, this is the D and D mechanic that we all want. Can we just <laughs> shoot a door to open it? Is this something that we could do? Uh, we don't have keys <laughs> or crowbars. Uh, lose big three number two kind of related to it because this th- that is how obi-wan gets through that laser gate that they bisected the stormtrooper with um they could have probably easily gone around it also uh this is lose big three number two why don't jedi levitate themselves to get around places they need to go seems like it wouldn't be that hard for them they force jump they don't levitate well, but they okay. Well, no, they if, do. If Vader, they do levitate. If Vader you're right. can levitate an entire person. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Luke can levitate other objects. Why doesn't he just yep. levitate himself? You know, yep. that, that's the question. Why can't they just fly? Why can't they go Neo from the Matrix and fly? Yeah. Um, it, it there's limits, I guess. It really it takes a lot of energy. Maybe I get that it would take like extra concentration, but if you're not doing anything else, or if you just have to get over a laser fence that's chest height. Uh, run you know, up the hill and come back do, down. I, what, what, I don't understand. But the, even so, if that takes physical energy to run up the hill and then down, how much mental energy of tapping into the forest does it take? Just lift your body up a few feet, float over it, and then land back down. Like and This I, isn't the electrified fence from Jurassic Park. This no. isn't. This is... <laughs> This is like a little laser, you know, backyard fence, maybe to keep the, the goats from escaping. You know, like yeah. it's it's really not a big obstacle. But goats who can't jump, it's like it's like chest height. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the worst of of obstacles to serve the plot. And the only thing I did like about the laser grid, uh, the three lasers, was it had that that similar moving mechanic to shut down the lasers that mm-hmm. Obi Wan you kind of shut down when he was on the death star in a, a new mm-hmm. hope when he's sneaking around to turn off the uh uh the um what, what was it the shield generators i believe it yeah. was and, yeah. and so yeah it's got the same kind of curved you know mechanism but it's built into a laser grid in the middle of a desert yeah i mean well it's 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 there to block uh vehicles from getting through and and i guess that's like his first thought is if we have this truck now we can drive this truck to the port that'll be faster than walking but like at a certain point i don't know it's (laughs) yeah Uh. you know what okay uh but i mean it also goes back to why doesn't vader just levitate over the the fire to get to obi-wan and you know okay so lose big three number three this is a real question um (laughs) Who do you think is Obi-Wan's brother? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, it's someone. Is he Force-sensitive? Um, I don't know. I there really don't is. know. There's no reference that I can know of of Obi-Wan's brother. Maybe there's something in Expanded Universe, but there's there none. Yeah. Okay, there's nothing that I'm aware of. Um, but how he he's never tried to reach out to his family or his brother. Why start now? 
Well, no, I don't think we're going to see that. Like, I, I don't think this show is actually going to show us, like, Obi-Wan reconnecting with his brother. If anything, it, he might tragically find out that he's dead. Um, there is, though, a, an expanded universe or legends or whatever uh, explanation. Apparently, in the novelization of... It was either episode three or episode six, or maybe episode four. Uh, it was explained that Owen Lars is Obi-Wan's actual brother. And that what? was, yeah. I think it's something that got, I mean, it obviously did get retconned and it's never been confirmed by Lucasfilm. But that would, wait, that would make Obi-Wan lose adopted, uh, Luke's adopted uncle. Right. And then when he calls Anakin, when he's like, you were supposed to be my brother, Anakin. Um, that, that, that means he should say actually Quite brother, in, brother-in-law. Brother law. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to be my brother-in-law, Anakin. <laughs> 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 We're going to go to family business together, Anakin. <laughs> I would have seen you at the reunion, Anakin. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Um, also, something that, that I thought of while you were talking about, like, the parallels between these episodes and the literal episodes of the movies, uh, there's six episodes of this show, right? <laughs> Episode one, part one, um, Obi-Wan's on Tatooine, right? Phantom Menace, episode one. Big, big thing on Tatooine. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other parallels, too, but I'm just trying to quickly get through these these yeah. things I've noticed. Episode two, Location they're on this parallels. city. Yeah. He's doing, like, investigation work, just like in Attack of the Clones. Right. Episode three, he confronts Vader. They fight with fire and flames all around them. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's, like, giving us sort of a roadmap of what episodes four, five, and six are going to look like? That they're going to have po- some sort of parallels to those films it it's definitely possible we're going to have a space battle maybe or definitely some type of um events in like uh well a lot of episode four was on the death star Mm -hmm. Uh, so it might be something similar to that um but uh again a lot of episode four was uh in in mose esley mose Eisley. Mm -hmm. so so we might we might see uh, not them go to to Tatooine, but we might see some type of you know bar or club scenario, you know um, them meeting up with smugglers, uh, like they met up with Han Solo, that type of thing. Hmm. Um, this move, this uh, series loves uh, uh, loves their bounty hunters, and again, True. I would not be surprised if we saw more bounty hunters um, and smugglers. I hope so. Jason, do you know what we forgot to do in our last episode? Oh, we forgot to talk about who we would replace between Whoopi Goldberg and, and Danny DeVito. <laughs> yes. All right. So in the show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, if, we, if, if you and I had the keys to uh, the Star Wars kingdom and we could recast any two characters on this show, uh, who are we recasting and how will it improve the show? Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, f- Freck would be a good Danny DeVito. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's only he's like ninety percent of the way there already. Absolutely, and and he would actually be an awesome <laughs> Grand Inquisitor too. <laughs> oh my god! Just laying out some uh, some philosophy of Jedi, mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that he's the short stature would make it all that more humorous. Mm-hmm. Being the Grand Inquisitor, but he's so tidy. <laughs> and, okay, uh, what about uh, Whoopi? Um, 
Whoopi. Um, hmm. I mean, I would love to see her with a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Uh, have her uh, not not as um, Vader, not as Anakin, but she could definitely be fifth sister. Uh, okay, I could definitely see of fifth sister's character the same as a young Whoopi Goldberg. Okay, uh, like uh, um, New Jack City. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. Uh, Princess Leia. Um, no, like, de-aging, no camera tricks. <laughs> just, <a> st- <laughs> just straight up. Uh, Obi-Wan has to rescue this six-year-old girl, and when he opens the door, it's Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> My, your father uh, sent me. Where's the yeah. army? Um, yeah. Uh, so that's everything Are I've you got. Are dad? <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, So that's everything I've got for this episode. Do you have any final thoughts on Obi-Wan episode three? Um, Let me review my notes. Give me a quick second. Sure. No. I think we went over everything. Other than, I mean, are we going to see other admirals from the Empire show up? Uh, We talked a little bit off. Uh, camera, I think, in text message uh, was it you, Lauren? Uh, he's one mm-hmm. that we've seen. Uh, Ozzel, Ozzel, yeah. He, we're going to see him. Are we going to meet Thrawn? You know, because he should be so. coming out about this time. He's also, I mean, he's going to be big in Ahsoka. I hope definitely, um, but he can definitely introduce him cool. as a character. You know, here. Be cool to see him here. And and the other question I have, when at the beginning of the episode, when Qui Gon. When Obi Wan is talking to Qui Gon, uh, he he says he's coming, Master. Uh, is he referring to the ultimate death of Anakin and the end of him, and him actually coming to the afterlife and dying? Like he's coming to join you. You know, I will I will bring peace to him. You know, he will be at your side because that's eventually what happens. Uh, you know, he he definitely becomes a Force ghost, and and uh, is at peace. Anakin's at peace. So is that? what he possibly is referring to. Um, the, the last question, of course, is, I, is when are we going to see Qui-Gon? When are we going to see Qui-Gon? Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear what you're saying about what he says to Qui-Gon, but I, I think he literally means, like, he's coming after me. He's, he's coming to find me. He's going to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but, yeah, I do think we're going to see a Qui-Gon Force ghost uh, Maybe, maybe, in maybe not in the next episode, but I think it might be like the last thing we see is like Obi Wan going back to Tatooine, and we see him convening with Qui Gon and learning the ways of becoming a Force ghost from him. I does this path that they're on go back to Tatooine? Where are they headed? Well, Jabim, and then eventually back to Alderaan to drop off Leia, right? Um, and then, and then eventually we know that Obi-Wan ends up back on Tatooine. Oh, oh, full circle, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I could see, like, Qui-Gon being in the final episode, and and that's, Mm. like, a nice little bow to end the show on. Yeah. Uh, Do you think uh, we're going to get, like, Luke to replace Leia halfway through, unless that only happens in in, uh, another series? No, I don't think so. I I think we're going to stick with Leia for the end of the next three episodes. I think that's going to be the... The whole trajectory. The trajectory, yeah. Yeah. It all ends when Leia goes back home. Yeah, yeah. 
Because that's the quest. That's the whole mission, is to rescue Leia and get her back to Alderaan. So, yep. Um, awesome. Well, listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, we will, of course, be back next week for episode four, and I'm very excited to see where the series goes. Uh, don't forget to write in all of your hate mail to robosvdinos at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, of course, you can uh, give us a five-star review and rate us or review us on whatever podcast app you're listening to. So thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Rebellions are built on hope. I'm surprised uh, that they didn't catch her. They should have just waited under the bridge. Your Jedi mind tricks don't work on Tordarian. Are you just asking for hate mail right now? That's- You're supposed to be my brother-in-law, Anakin. We were going to go into family business together, Anakin. I would have seen you at the reunion, Anakin. Gong, 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 gong.